Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. And so Josh has asked me to, to open up a series on the armor of God. And as a church family here over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at each different piece, because uh, there's six of them, um, of, of the armor of God and just camping around that. And if you've got your Bibles with you, what I want you to do is I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I love the book of Ephesians because it's only six chapters long and I'm one of the world's slowest readers. And uh, I like a book that I could just read from start to finish. And uh, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he has been uh, giving them instructions on, on how to live with Christ and, and how to live with the purpose and the purity and the passion um, that God has called them to. And he's getting to the end of his letter to the church in Ephesus and, and these are his, some of his last remarks to the church and it's a very famous passage of scripture. So I'm going to read this out, uh, and I'm going to share a story, and then we're going to go into some ministry time. So this is Ephesians 6, verse 10. Paul speaking, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, And with your feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions and in all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. I love this passage of Scripture for for a few reasons. One that, you know, God kind of puts different graces on people. And you know, some people, they're just so nice and they just love everybody. And you just like to be around that person. And then there's other people that he goes, man, you're just going to be exceptional at leading and you're going to be exceptional at this and that. And one of the things that God did with me is that I, I just, I love spiritual warfare. Uh, there is something of, of, the, of the love and the aggression of God that comes alive in me when I'm with somebody and, and they're experiencing an element of the devil who came to rob, kill and destroy. And there's this thing of a Father God that just rises up in me. And in that moment, there's a, there's a presence of God that I just so love where I feel a million feet tall and totally bulletproof. And I'm just like, oh, you're going to get breakthrough. Let's just like rip whatever that thing is off from out of the atmosphere around your life so that you can experience the fullness of God's joy. So I love this because I love it that Paul says, hey, when the day of evil comes, which doesn't sound that optimistic, it's not like to some people who may at one point in life experience potentially an element of evil. He's like, hey, when the day of evil comes, 
Be equipped with the fullness of the power and the authority of God. Wrapped up in, in, in His armor so that you can, you can stand against Him. And when He's done everything that He can do, you're still going to be standing. Because, you know, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on this rock and the gates of how won't be able to prevail against it. It'll try, but it, it, it'll fail. And over the next six weeks, we're going to look at these different aspects of the armor of God. So there's the belt of truth. There's the breastplate of righteousness. There's the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, and the shoes that come with the readiness of spreading the gospel of peace. And I want to talk about the belt of truth because truth to me is, is incredibly important. I, I have had so many different experiences. I'm sure that many of you have had as well where I've actually unbeknowingly been living under a lie. And, and Satan is the father of lies. And when we live under the influence and the conditioning of a lie, albeit very subtly, it gives an element of authority back to the devil to rob, kill, and destroy aspects of our life. So Jesus said, I have got all authority in heaven and on earth, which means if you're good at mass, the devil has none. So if he has none, the only way he can get any is if we give it to him. And so Jesus says, hey, when you put on my armor, the first thing I want you to do is put on truth. I, I, I want you to put on truth. Paul says, like, like buckle it around you. And, and you know, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And about three or four months ago, Josh shared this message that I love, which is truth is so much more than accurate factual observations. There's this essence that, that there's a part of Christ that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there's this aspect where Paul is saying, like, wrap Christ around you. The authority of truth, let it be wrapped around you so that when the liar comes, the first thing he's going to encounter is truth wrapped around your waist. And, you know, I think, I think even prophetically, it's a powerful declaration to, to go, God, I thank you for the armor. And right now, I put it on. You know, sometimes I'll, 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 I'll you know, as a, as a demonstration to, to even my own timidity at times, I'll say, God, I thank you that I put on the helmet of salvation right now. Some of my thoughts right now are, are not being my friend. Some of my thoughts in my life are, 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 are not conducive or lining up with the Word of God. I put on that helmet of salvation. And I remind myself, I have the mind of Christ. And I can feel accusations coming against me around the integrity of who I am as a man of God. So God, I, I thank you for that breastplate of righteousness that you have given me, that you say I am righteous. I am right standing with God. And there's waves of fear that are trying to intimidate me and push me back from the call of God. And so God, I just thank you that I stand behind that shield of faith that says that you are with me. And if you are with me, who can be against me? And, and so I, I love these things. But if, if all we do if you've ever had that practice of saying, God, I thank you for your armor, and sometimes you might start your daily devotion with, with putting on the armor of God. But if that is all we do, and we don't understand how to utilize what it is that He's given to us and what those things represent, then we would be like an Iron Man in an Iron Man suit that has no idea how to use the operating system. We would just look like a very expensive ornament. And if you're not a Marvel fan, then... Like, get Disney Plus, watch them all, and life will be better. 
So I want to tell you a story about a time in my life, one of many examples where I had allowed a lie to come into my life and it was robbing me, it was killing me and it was destroying things and I had an encounter with the revelation of truth that set me free in a moment. And mum, I haven't given you a heads up on what I'm sharing, so... um, So if you don't know, part of, part of our story, my mum's the one with the curly hair. If you're not sure who she is, we have the same smile. And uh, so part of our story as a family is that, and you might have heard this from Josh, I'm not sure how much he's shared, uh, it was that when I was 13, so Josh was 16, 15, details, 17, quiet in the cheap seats, my gosh, um, when we were at a variation of teenage ages, uh, my dad had a sudden asthma attack and passed away. And it was this incredibly traumatic event, as you can imagine. And often when we're in places of trauma, we are emotionally and spiritually very vulnerable for lies to come in around us. People often think that if the demonic is doing something in their life, it's through, uh, uh, because of sin. And it is. It's just that we define sin as, you know, looking at pornography or lying and stealing. Sin is just falling short of the glory of God. So when, when, when we're in trauma and a lie gets whispered into us and we believe it, we have fallen short of the glory of God. And in that moment of sin, even though it is of a totally different nature to the way that we in our Western Greek influence thinking would like to categorize things, it, it exchanges authority from us back to the devil. And so when my dad passed away, and it was a really traumatic moment, a few lies got whispered into me. And in that moment of vulnerability, I didn't recognize them as lies. Just a few thoughts popped into my head. And that on its own would be bad. But when I was younger, I struggled a lot with croup. And the doctors thought that I would grow out of it, but I, I didn't really. And if you don't know what croup is, croup's a virus that gives you this big kind of whooping cough. You sound like a dangerous velociraptor at a disco party. Um, and, and it would cause your throat to swell up and close over. And, and I almost died a couple of times. I remember a time when we, we, I got taken to the doctors and it was getting really bad and I couldn't breathe properly. And they had me on the nebulizer and it wasn't working. So they called an ambulance. And I began to grab air and try and force it into my mouth because I knew that I was suffocating and I was going to die. And I remember looking at the people in the room for a level of assurance because I thought, I think I'm going to die. And I remember looking at the eyes in the room and, and instantly as a child, I would have been about nine or 10 years old, realizing in the look of their eyes, oh no, they all think the same. And, and I ended up on all these shots of adrenaline and everything like that. And, and so I, I went through childhood with a real fear around how suddenly things could turn in a moment. And the first time I actually got prayed for where I fell under the presence of God, I got healed and never had another uh, croup attack again. And so I, I went from that in my childhood of, of this fear around respiratory issues then got healed, and then a few years later saw my dad die from a respiratory issue. Now, jump forward, I become a dad in time, and I've got my own kids, and I am up in Wellington 
This would be about five or six years ago. And I'm at pastor's training, so I'm an I'm a ordained pastor, actually, in the New Life movement. Um, and they know that I'm here at the moment, and that's all good. Don't, don't worry. Uh, and so I'm at pastor's training, uh, getting ordained as a pastor, and it's the day before the, the kind of the training starts, and I hear that, that barking cough. And it's one of those, those sounds that instantly triggers a traumatic response, and it kind of sends shivers down my spine. And it's my son, and he would be about three and a half, and he's got croup. And these waves of fear and all those emotions that I thought were gone instantly resurfaced in a moment. And so we took him to the doctors. Um, we're in a Capity Coast, and the doctor's assessing him and says, look, this is actually quite, is it a little bit too serious? Uh, we need to call an ambulance from Wellington, which is an hour drive. And so the ambulance comes and it is bringing back all mannerisms of negative feelings. And so we go in an ambulance and spend the night at Wellington Hospital. And in the morning they go, look, it's, it's, he's, he's made a pretty good recovery. They've had him on the medication and stuff. You can, you can go back to Capital Coast. Just keep an eye on him. So we get discharged and I've had hardly any sleep because I spent the night in an ambulance and then in a chair by my son's bed in the hospital. And Next day rolls around, we're at pastor's training at, uh, at this campground. And we have our session and the, the different pastors of the movement are teaching us. We have a worship time and all those things. And I go back to our cabin, my wife and I, and my son Judas, three and a half, and then my daughter Jasmine, they're both in these different type cots sleeping. And I can hear one of them has that croup cough. And is wheezing. And I think, ah, oh, Judah's not better yet. And I go in, and it's not Judah, it's Jasmine. And she has it as well. And I just, all of a sudden, I'm just going, God, this is not fear. Like, God, that's, like, come on. This is not fear. And all these lies are just washing over me. And I go get a friend of mine. If you guys know Wes Chambers from Living Waters, really cool guy, Wes and Janet. And I get Wes over and it's like 11.30 at night and I see him pacing around in, in his room. So I go get him because I'm like going around like, look, everyone's windows like this. Is there anybody that can pray with me? Yeah. I'm not joking. That's pretty much what I was doing. And so I get him in and I'm like, hey, and I tell him that, you know, my son's got this. I used to have it and my daughter, I'm just kind of freaking out. Would you pray with me? So we start praying. Within about 30 seconds of praying, the Holy Spirit just speaks to my heart. This thought just kind of goes whoosh inside of me. And it was quite clear. And I said, Jared, your fear is giving permission for the Spirit to attack your family. And I go, what? I don't, I don't even understand how that works. So I'm with Wes and I say, hey, Wes, Holy Spirit's just told me that my fear is giving permission for the Spirit to attack my kids. What does that mean? And he said, oh, well, tell me, tell me a little bit about your family history. So I said, well, I had this as a kid. And then my father died of an asthma attack. And I don't know, I've just always kind of thought that maybe it would be inevitable that my kids would have the same struggles that I had. And he said, right there, what you just said, you thought it would be inevitable that your kids would have the same struggles that you had. Jared, that's a lie. That's a lie from the devil. Your, your children aren't even connected to your family line. They're connected to the line of Christ and you are not connected to the line of your past. You're, you're connected to the line of Christ. But because at a heart level, that lie has crept in and you've thought logically that makes sense. That lie has given permission for the spirit to come around and attack your family. 
He said, Jared, this is what we're going to do now. You are going to, out loud, you're going to break agreement with that lie. You're going to say, that's a lie. I, I don't believe that anymore. And then what you're going to do, Jared, is you're going to ask Jesus for forgiveness. Because believing a lie, that's actually sin. And you're going to ask him for forgiveness, and he's faithful to forgive. And then you're going to make a new agreement with the truth that your kids are connected to the bloodline of Christ and that they are totally healed through Christ crucified and resurrected. So I go, oh, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So I, I go like this. And no sound comes out of my mouth. And this invisible hand has grabbed me by the throat and is strangling me. And all of a sudden, I can't breathe. And Wes looks at me and goes, you're trying to talk but can't get the words out? And I go, And then he just says, spirit of fear, I break you right now in Jesus' name. Do you know, fun fact, the first thing that Jesus taught his disciples to do, you go, oh, you know, heal people. It wasn't. It was cast demons out of people. It was to break the plans of the devil. I love that people go, oh, Jesus, he came to everybody, like could come to the Father. Yeah, all those beautiful things. But he also came to destroy the works of the devil. So the first thing Jesus taught his disciples was to cast out demons. People being set free from the demonic with, with lies encountering truth and having a breakthrough moment. That is normal, everyday, biblical, sound doctrine. And so he says, I break that spirit of fear right now in Jesus' name. And then it escalated quite dramatically. Uh, my head flipped back. I got thrown onto the ground, started screaming at the top of my voice, writhing on the ground. Now, if you're visiting today, you think, this guy's crazy. You have made an accurate observation. Uh, and this lasted for about 30 seconds. Then all of a sudden, it totally left. Uh, and I hopped up onto my feet and I went, whoa, that escalated quickly. People came out of their dorms. Now it's like midnight and they're coming out into the hallway because they can hear this horrendous screaming and I'm waking everybody up. That is still my reputation in the New Life Movement today because all these people are now pastors and like, you're the guy that woke me up seven years ago screaming with a demon. I'm like, I am. <laughs> and so, so that happens. And then I can get my voice back and I begin to, to make these declarations because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Our, our spoken word is, is what we make legal spiritual documents with. You know, we like to talk for communication, but God first used talking for creation. He spoke into darkness and said, let there be light. There's authority in our spoken word. And so then my kids, you go, well, how were the kids? The kids were fine. That, like, after that, there were no issues until six months later. Six months later, I, I'm at home and I'm staying at my mum's house at that moment because I said we needed to live there for six months because of the earthquakes. And now it's like two and a half years later and I'm still living there, not paying her anything. Love you, mum. And uh, I hear this coughing sound and I go upstairs and my son's got croup again. And all those fears come washing back. And I think, oh man, I have got to lie down on the floor in case it gets worse. Because if it gets worse, he might not be able to get downstairs to my room to let me know. And then the Holy Spirit really clearly just said to me, Jared, go downstairs, go to bed. I said, God, I thought you'd taken care of this. He's like, go downstairs, go to bed. So I, and it was quite clear, and I'm going, oh my gosh, like what could happen? This can escalate so quickly, God. Don't you know how easily this can lead to death? 
And I go downstairs and I'm lying in my bed and I'm praying in tongues in that gift of the heavenly language. And my heart is racing. And then he says this, Jared, you need to know something. I love him so much more than you do. And, and as, I, as I experienced those words, that, that thought being pushed into my spirit, it was like this wave of peace just washed over me. It was almost like I could feel like I was floating. And I went to sleep. And in the morning, I got up and I went to check on him and he was fine. And, and I called my friend Wes up. I said, Wes, what's the deal, man? You're not very good at what you do? What happened? How? And he goes, Jared, don't you know the Bible says that when you cast out a demon, it goes into the wilderness and it wanders around and then it comes back to see if the room has been swept clean, that it could then inhabit it there again and get seven demons more to join into that situation. We, we cast that spirit off and it went into the wilderness and then six months later, it came back to see if truth lived there now. If you had laid down on the floor, you would have given your authority back and you probably would have been in a worse situation than where you were before. The best thing you could have done was to ignore it, go to bed and trust that the truth of Christ is wrapped around that situation. So I wanted to share that story this morning. And by the way, then my kids have never been hospitalized again. They've never had an needed to be in the ambulance again. I, I don't think I, I've never had to take them to the doctors again because of croup. And maybe every six to 12 months, I'll hear that cough. And I just go, hey, you're all right. You're sweet, cool. And that little bit of fear goes, whoosh, and I go, you're not worth my attention. God's got this. Truth is wrapped around and I go to bed and they're fine. Putting on the belt of truth is so much more than a nice Christian concept. It is confronting fear. It's confronting intimidation. It's confronting lies that could have been living with you for decades and saying, you know what? That's a lie. And I'm not gonna live under the influence of that lie, whether it's trying to rob me of my sleep rob me of relationships, rob me of my health, whether it's trying to rob, kill and destroy the generations that are linked to me or the work that I've called to. Anything that falls short of the glory of God is, is, an, is a moment where we can exchange our authority. And that's not about being fearful of making mistakes, not at all, because God's grace is more than enough to continue to lead us into freedom. But to put on the truth of Christ is incredibly freeing. You can have been locked down in disappointment for eons. One encounter with the truth of Christ can set joy back into your life. As we were praying this morning, I felt that there were people here this morning that have almost felt rejected or despondent because of disappointment, where there are things that you even once felt that you were excellent at and now you just discredit yourself from. And I felt like God was saying, you know, that's a lie. You're still called. You're still chosen. You're still set apart. And His truth wants to redefine who you are again this morning. I wonder if we could just stand. And this morning, if, if while I've been talking and you go, man, I, God, I just, I need to experience your truth again. 
You might not even have a specific thing in life that you need breakthrough in or a specific thought that needs to be realigned with the Word of God. But this morning, if you go, man, I just, I need the truth of Christ to wrap around me. I know that I have things that need to shift. I just don't know what they are and I don't know where to start. But Christ, I I would love to start by wrapping truth around me and seeing what begins to take place, seeing how you begin to transform me. The truth of Christ that leads me into freedom. For the Bible says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So this morning, the the team's just gonna lead us back into a worship song. But if you just want someone to stand with you and to declare Christ's truth over you, to declare the word of God over you and to wrap Christ around your waist once again, then we would love to stand with you this morning and do that. Awesome, let's worship, let's pray, come forward, let's lift him up and see Jesus' name over everything. Awesome.